All the talk, all the time. This is TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, we just had Dolph Shays on. He was talking. He mentioned all the great players who he might fill the you team. Think right. he might have left out somebody? He left the guy from Chicago at MJ. Scotty Pippen? Oh, hey, yeah, Scotty Pippen. But no, I was surprised they didn't mention Jordan because everybody says Jordan or Chamberlain to build a team around, and they forget about Oscar. But Jordan didn't even make the conversation with him. Well, I, I think he's from a, a time frame, a generation that he was focusing on. Because I think you could make a case that LeBron James would be a player that you might want to build a team around because he's certainly a guy that can do it all. And as he develops and ages, he'll go from being a, a, a dominant point guard or whatever he is. You can put him down low, and he. He'll be a dominant big man late in his career. But here's the thing, though. He made a comment about Wilt that Wilt, when he decided that he wanted to win a championship, became a team player, he became a better player. The same thing with Jordan. When Jordan decided he wanted that championship and deferred to Pippen and listened to coach, when Jackson took over, it was a whole different team. Right. You, you pass the ball off to John Paxson, he hits the game winner. You, you pass it off to this guy, that guy. You know, Wilt could average 50 points every year if he wanted to. But what, what goods it do him? That's a problem, I think, in Miami. You only have one basketball, and you got Bosch down there. you got Wade and James. And like Dolph said, I mean, basically, it, LeBron, if he would have won in Cleveland, it would have been his team. Now in Miami, it's still Wade's team. Wade's nowhere near the player that LeBron is, but again, I think they defer to Wade. Yeah, I mean, I think it, by LeBron going from Cleveland to Miami, it, it tends to diminish whatever level of ascendancy that he's theoretically going to achieve. I mean, you do it with the Cavaliers, that's quite the accomplishment. Same thing with Derrick Rose. When they ask Rose, are you basically recruiting LeBron this last summer? He says no. If LeBron wants to come, fine. But, again, Rose realizes it's a team, and Rose is a team player. And like we were talking about before with Howard, basically he's sitting there saying Rose is the MVP. And, again, I think he is because he's being a team player. Yeah. It's not always about being the best player. Michael Jordan was by far the best player, but he also elevated everybody else's game, and that's what made him the most valuable player. That's what made the Bulls six-time championship teams. The NBA Finals for the Hall of Fame came out, and there was a lot of debate whether Rodman should go in or not. I don't know what your position is on this. I, in terms of being a character, Dennis is in a class by himself. Outlandish behavior, colored hair, wedding dresses, any, anything and everything to, to get the attention. As a basketball player, he was phenomenal. You look at his scoring average, you'll say, oh, he, he wasn't very good. He didn't focus on scoring. He focused on rebounding and defense. And I don't know that there's been a player probably maybe since Bill Russell who was as good at those two elements of the game as Dennis Rodman. I'll tell you what. I mean, again, Rodman, I don't think, should go in. He just rebounded. He didn't play. I mean, I know he was a defensive player of the year twice, but he wasn't a lot. I saw him make a three-point shot once. Once. (laughs) But, again, I mean, he was just a rebound. The other guys who led the league in rebound, he could score. He couldn't score at all. But the guy who's a finalist who they're saying doesn't belong to be in is Chris Mullen, which I don't believe Mullen was a Hall of Fame-type player. He was Golden State's guy. I remember at St. John's, then he came to the Golden State Warriors. He was that team. He's solid. When you think of Hall of Fame players... I don't know if Chris Mullen comes immediately to mind. Uh, they left Reggie Miller off the final switch, and it makes no sense. I mean, to me, Reggie, if you're going to compare Reggie Miller and Chris Mullen, I, I take Reggie Miller in a heartbeat. 
You know, Reggie's defense may not have been great, but that's not why he was on the court. He was the one guy who could stop Jordan because he would get in Jordan's face. He did not back down to Jordan. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's not because of athletic skill. I think it was had more to do with his trash-talking mouth. And as you say, he definitely could get inside Michael's head. I think he came out the same year as Pippen. Can you imagine Jordan and Reggie Miller as teammates? It would have been interesting. Like like you say, they would have needed another basketball, I think. You don't think Jordan would defer to Reggie? Or they've been fighting who took the last shot? You know, it's like, my ball, no, my ball. I th- I think that that would have been a difficult uh, adjustment for either one of them. I mean, that, those Pacers team used to give the Bulls fits because of Reggie Miller. I mean, because he had a shot similar to Bird. If he had an open three-pointer, he'd hit it. Right. Even if he was guarded, he'd still hit it. Yeah, he, and he was never afraid to take a shot. It's not like, oh, I should defer to somebody else. No. I have the ball in my hands. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to shoot. I'm just past the half-court line. I'm still supposed to shoot. It, it didn't matter. We're on the court, and most of the time it went in. And the other two guys they mentioned with Chicago connections were Johnny Red Kerr not being a finalist or Artis Gilmore. I mean, I remember Artis playing, and Artis was a solid player. I don't Was he a Hall of Famer? Mm, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, part of his career probably didn't get a whole lot of attention with the Kentucky Colonels and the American Basketball Association, where he was. He was a pretty impressive uh, ball player. Uh, but here's I, I, the thing. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. I l- a, listen okay, to Boris right. and Bernstein talk about it, and I think they were missing the point is it's the basketball, basketball Hall of Fame. And, again, Artis did it in the ABA. He was in the NBA, and then he was a solid college player. Yeah, Jacksonville University. He and Pembroke Burroughs III led that team, pardon to the people in Jacksonville, from nowhere, you know, to national prominence, uh, that that was just an incredible story 40 years ago. And Red Kerr played against Dolph Shays at that same era. Was he a Hall? Or are you think it'll be more I, his lifetime contributions to basketball? You, if you look at the lifetime lifetime contributions, that you can make a strong case that Red Kerr should be in it. It's unfortunate if the day ever comes that he does get enshrined that he won't be. A, he's not on this earth to appreciate it. Someone who is on this earth to appreciate it would be a guy like Tex Winter, who. He's well, got to be 100. Well, it may, he better hold on if that's how long it's going to take. But, you know, a very good college coach, uh, has a long resume, was a Bulls assistant for all those championship seasons. I don't, I don't know what the requirements are to get a guy elected, but I, I would certainly think that Tex Winter is a guy that should be there. And another guy, I remember watching him play. I think he was the most dominant college player of all time, Ralph Sampson. He's another one of the finalists here. I mean, he had a short NBA career, but, I mean, this guy changed college basketball. They were waiting for him to come out. Right. And now he'd been, in the five years ago, he went right from high school to the NBA, or now he'd be one and done. Definitely. Uh, I think he may suffer because he didn't live up to people's expectations in the NBA and say, oh, how can the guy be a Hall of Famer? But he he was as dominant a, a college player I'd say probably since uh, Lou Alcindor. I mean, there was a lot of pressure in that guy. I mean, he never won anything in college, but, again, he went to the pros, went to Houston, second year in the league. They got Hakeem, and him and Hakeem made the finals, I think, in his second year. And if those two would have stayed around as teammates, I think, again, how do you stop two seven-footers? You had your twin towers there. And I don't know if you've ever had two big men as good on one team as those guys. And, and they were athletic. They weren't fat guys. They could do it all. I mean, he was a, he was playing power but, forward at seven. But Elijah Wan ends up as the guy who's the Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, because his knees went out. Similar to Odom. Look at Odom with uh, Portland here. He was getting compared to Ralph Sampson, and he might be another bust at Portland. Yeah, uh, it looks like his career may not even exist other than in his bank account. Hopefully he banked the money. You know, and a lot of money to bank. But, you know, you think, okay, coming out of Ohio State, here, here's the next great big man, the next sort of dominant force out there. And it doesn't work out that way. There was a tragedy in Chicago. A former Bear died last week, Dave Dorsey. They, all these people were talking about it last Friday. I think it happened Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, basically giving their eulogies. They didn't say the cause of death. Now they're saying it's suicide. I got my thoughts on this. I want to hear what you think about this. Well, it was interesting because early on, I think the reports say that he died of a gunshot wound, self-inflicted gunshot wound to his chest, and he, he wanted to leave his brain to medical science. And all the pieces in the puzzle weren't there. And little by little, oh, he had domestic difficulties. He had financial difficulties, other personal difficulties. And you're going, okay. It, not that suicide ever makes sense, but you could see some of the pieces falling together. And it, it's extremely tragic that somebody who should have a fairly wide array of friends and acquaintances, couldn't reach out to somebody for some sort of help or for someone in his circle to notice that Dave's having serious issues and maybe, you know, I don't know that you can do an intervention, but try to connect him with a professional who may be able to assist him somehow. I mean, this all started, he had the company, he retired from the Bears, right. started he, that he, sausage thing with getting all the McDonald's sausage right. he was you, supplying. you think the guy's got it made. you, you got to deal with McDonald's, you should be set for life. But that's not the way the real world is. He loved Notre Dame, he gets on the board of Notre Dame, which was his dream. And then all of a sudden, that thing happened in South Bend when he was on Notre Dame business, the domestic abuse charges right. that his wife at the time filed against him. Notre Dame drops him, company starts going under. And then basically he loses millions. He gets a judgment, I think, for $45 million against some company, which he was never able to collect. He filed corporate bankruptcy. And then his wife gets some divorces him. Then he files personal bankruptcy last fall. And then I, the ex-wife is coming out saying he was a great guy. Don't judge him. This, this, he was a great family guy. But here's the situation. I blame the ex-wife for some of this. She was contesting the bankruptcy because he didn't list his two Super Bowl rings on there. And he was saying he didn't have to list them because they were in a trust or going to some museum. What does she want to get from this guy here? I mean, you've got four or five kids with the guy. Again, if he, even if he's withholding the, the divorces support, get messy, don't they? But this was after divorce because I guess she, he owed her money and she wanted to get that money. You had four or five kids with this guy. Even if the rings weren't going to museum, they're going to go to your kids eventually. Yeah. Why take what? What's left that this guy has, basically, when, you know, that's what it meant. I mean, he played football. Those rings probably meant everything to him. And this, whatever, which is trying to take the rings from him. Well, it, it's difficult to know what's going on unless you happen to be in his shoes or her shoes. Uh, I mean, we're, we're just out outside that. Speculating. Yeah. Again, I mean, suicide's a coward's way out again. But again, I think what's funny is that, again, he want, he sent a text. He wanted his brain examined see if there's something wrong with it from playing football. But this guy was reviewing NFL players' disability claims here. And from what I heard, he wasn't pro-player. He was kind of well, the know, other way. And maybe he had second thoughts about some of the claims that uh, 
he wouldn't permit. Maybe he's thinking, in retrospect, maybe I, I should have been a little more understanding of this guy or that guy, and I have a greater appreciation now of what that person was going through because he may have been going through something similar. He may be, have seen manifestations of those years of uh, impact on his brain and how it was affecting him. And he could tell that he wasn't the same person today that he had been five years ago, ten years ago. You know, we, we all have situations where, oh, you know, five years ago I would have remembered that guy's name or, or I would have remembered this, would have remembered that. Something says that he could tell that mentally something was going on in his head that wasn't right. No, I mean, he had it all and he lost it all. Whether it's football related or not, I don't know. Again, we were talking last night at the American Sports Hall from the boxing thing with a sportscaster, and he made a good point here. He's talking about the boxing. People say how dangerous boxing is. This ultimate fighting with this yeah, mixed martial arts, someone's going to get killed, and this sports get banned real quick again. And I think he's right. I mean, mixed martial arts is a lot more dangerous than football here. And, again, I mean, you're going to have injuries, but you ask any of these players, I'd say 99% would not give up their football careers even if they knew they were going to have debilitating injuries and stuff because they like playing the game, they like the fame, the fortune, all that. Right. And they say, well, if somebody's going to be getting hurt, it's not going to be me. It's going to be that guy or that guy. You think yeah. you're invincible. Right. I mean, that's that's I think, has to be part of the DNA of a professional athlete. You can't go out on that field thinking, oh, no, this next play could end my not just my career but my life. So – it may be somewhere in your mind, but it's, I would say, far, far back in the recesses of your mind that uh, any concern about that. And I think whether it's an adrenaline rush or endorphins or, or whatever it is that you get from competing, and, and whether it's on the football field or mixed martial arts, boxing ring, basketball, whatever, that sort of overwhelms rational thought sometimes. Another great show, Elliot. I want to thank our guest, Ashley Bond. And Dolph Shays, they were both excellent. I want to thank our sound man extraordinaire, Dave Olson, does a great job behind the glass. Elliot, another great show. This is David Spada with Elliot Harris. You are listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com. See you next week.